excited about today. I believe God wants to do something unique in us and in our church at this time. So years ago, when I was in youth group, our youth group went upstate on a trip. And as we were up there, we were getting ready to come back. And you know, like when guys stay in a room for a week, it's like disgusting at the end. And so our youth leaders looked at the room and said, go find a vacuum. You guys are pigs. Clean this up. And so we went and found a vacuum. We cleaned up our room. And as we were finishing, some of the girls from across the hall said, oh, can we borrow the vacuum to clean our room? And we said, of course. But they made a big mistake. They left the the vacuum plugged into the outlet in our room. And so my friend and I said, let's play a little trick on them. And so I walked into their room across the hall and I grabbed the vacuum cord as the vacuum is going and I, I kinked it. I said, you guys know if you, if you kink a vacuum cord, it's like kinking a hose, right? And it shuts off the electricity, right? And so like when I, when I kinked it, it stopped and they were like amazed. And then I unkinked it and it went back on and they, they couldn't believe it. What they didn't realize was my friend back in the other room could see every time I would kink or unkink the wire and unplug or replug the vacuum. Now here's the deal. Some of you guys kind of feel like there's a kink in your connection to God. Some of you guys kind of feel maybe right now like somebody pulled the plug out of the wall in your connection to God. And here tonight, I really want to talk with you about getting that connection revived. This series is called Defibrillate My Soul. And we talked last week about this idea of what a defibrillator is. It's a, a device that you've seen in the movies and TV when somebody is you know, flatlining, they'll grab the device and they'll put it on their chest. And, and what it does is, is it bounces a heart that's off rhythm back into rhythm or sometimes can even bring a heart that has stopped back into a, a beat and, and back into life. And you've seen this in the movies, right? And sometimes I think we need a defibrillator for our soul. Like for some of us, our soul feels like it's out of rhythm. And we saw last week, maybe we used to kind of be in the rhythm of waking up. And the first thing we did before work or school was spend time with God. But work and school kind of got put on pause, right? And so we lost some of that. Or maybe we were the kind that would sit after lunch and we would kind of sit there and listen to a podcast or our late night prayer. But that all kind of got bounced out of rhythm. So what do we do with that? Some of you guys would say, oh, Doug, I don't just feel like my soul's out of rhythm. I feel like I'm next to dead. Like the stuff that I've been through in these last few months, it has made me question God. It's made me question my faith. And I really, truly feel like my soul is next to dead. And I believe some of us just need God to revive us in such a way that we would feel new life. And here's my prayer today, is that way more than my words coming out at you today, that God would do something supernatural in our hearts right here and right now that God would revive our souls tonight. Last week, we talked about how God's word revives our souls. I pray this past week, you took that seriously. You opened up the scripture and you read the word of God this past week. You need that. I need that. It revives us in a way that nothing else can. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one tonight. If you don't know how to read the Bible, we'll help you understand how to read because you need to be hearing from God because he wants to revive your soul. But tonight, I want you and I to be reminded of something else that can revive our soul. And the funny thing about this thing is it's already in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. And and the funny thing about this is this thing is linked to a lot of the beautiful things God offers us. Like the mercy God offers us, the forgiveness God offers us, the direction he offers us, the reviving of our souls that he offers us. And so tonight, I want you and I to lean into what God has for us and remind ourselves of this powerful thing that's in our lives to help revive our souls. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been thinking about your soul lately. 
If you're here tonight and you're our first time guest, we are so excited you're here. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. And maybe you've been thinking about your soul lately going, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I don't know. Is there a savior? Is there someone who can help my soul, restore my soul, kind of revive my soul? Maybe you've been wondering if there's any hope or someone who can give you purpose or direction. And tonight we're going to discover some of that. And so together, I want us to come around this concept of God defibrillating, reviving our souls. And we're going to look at a really fascinating king. His name is King Solomon, and he was David's son. And God called Solomon to build a temple. And we're going to be looking at first kings here today. Now, what you need to know is right where about the first three rows of cars right now are parked is eventually going to be a big church building. We're super excited about it. It's going to be about the outline of those cars and then butted right up against here up to the, it would basically empty out onto this courtyard. And, and our, our, the, the possible guy who's going to be our general contractor was out here this past week walking the property, just dreaming stuff up. Super exciting stuff. But what I need you to know is as cool as that building will be, where we're going to connect and learn and serve and grow and worship, as cool as it will be, it will be nothing like the temple that Solomon built. I need you to think about the most beautiful building you've ever seen in your life, and then we're going to take it up a bunch of knots. Notches blinged out, gold everywhere, silver everywhere. Our building's not going to have that stuff. But Solomon's temple was going to be this incredible thing, and you sit here and you go, why? Like, why was the temple so important? Why did they put so much into it? In fact, it wasn't just about the gold or silver. Solomon needed a ton of lumber to build the temple that he was going to put together for, for God. And so he made this deal with the king of Tyre because they had these amazing woodcutters there. Like everybody wore flannel and suspenders in Tyre. And so they made this deal and said, okay, you guys cut down a bunch of trees. And this is the plan they came up with. This is so cool. They cut down the trees. They turned them into rafts. They they bound them together, and then they floated them to where Solomon wanted them. And then Solomon and his guys took the rafts apart and then used that wood to build the temple. Solomon sent, so they, they had some help. He sent out 30,000 cutters to help. He sent out 70,000 people to pick up the trees. He sent out 80,000 stonecutters and 33 foremen. And again, I'll ask the same question I asked before. Why was this all such a big deal? Like, why spend all this time and energy on this building? We're going to find out. It says in 1 Kings 8 that King Solomon summoned all the people and all the leaders of Israel. And then they brought up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from the city of Zion to the city of David. Guys, that's why this was a huge deal. And you go, well, what was the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it was a two and a half by four and a half foot box. It was all blinged out. It had the Ten Commandments in it. You're going, okay, so they built this big temple and made this big deal for some relics of Israel's past in a box? No, see, the most important part we haven't talked about yet. And it's the fact that wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, God's presence went with it. That's why this was such a big deal. Wherever the ark went, God's presence went with it. And so what I want you to think about today is maybe you need to open the temple of your soul and say, God, I am going to, like Solomon, usher your presence into my life. They ushered the presence of God into the city, into the temple. And you and I know, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, that the presence of God does unbelievable things. The presence of God brings peace. It brings hope. It brings joy, strength, stability, direction. The presence of God is incredible. And so they are ushering in the presence of God, saying, oh God, 
Come dwell with us. Listen, I think what you and I need more than ever, I think what our nation needs, our church needs, and you and I individually need more than ever is to look at God and say, oh God, would you allow your presence to come in our lives, our church, our nation in a fresh way? We wanna usher your presence into the United States of America in a new way, living word church in a new way, and our personal lives in a new way. God, we need a fresh feeling. Yes, God's already in you. Yes, the Holy Spirit's already in you, but did you know that in the scripture there's several times where people who were followers of God, who had the Holy Spirit in their life, had a, a greater indwelling or a fresh filling, so to speak, or maybe even a greater awareness of the presence of God in their life than ever before. It says in verse 10, I love this, you ready for this? When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud, the presence of God, filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of God's presence, for the glory of the Lord filled this temple. Think about this. This would be like if tonight Andrew had gotten up on stage and the band, they got up here to lead worship, and God's presence was so strong, he was like, guys, I'm not singing one note tonight. I'm gonna get down on my face before God right now because his presence is so strong. And then I get up on the stage to follow that up, and I go, guys, I don't even think I could get through a message right now because God's presence is so strong and so real right now. I would be wasting my time and yours to try to communicate with you. Can we just enjoy God's presence? Wow, can you imagine if that happened? Here's what I guarantee. I guarantee you've forgotten many of my messages over the years. I bet you've forgotten a lot of my illustrations. I bet you've forgotten some of the words of some of the worship songs. But if God's presence showed up like that, you would never forget that day. The last time you were really in God's revealed presence, you didn't want to leave it, you know? Like, if God's presence showed up like that tonight, you would be like, guys, we're not going to Taco Bell for 99 cent tacos tonight. We're staying here as long as we have to stay to, to remain in the presence of God. I pray that you and I would experience something like that. That's why God's presence is such a huge deal. That's why they built this huge temple and they ushered in the presence of God. And what if the very presence of God is the thing that will revive our souls? It goes on here. Solomon asks a great question him down in verse 27. It says, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. What he's saying here is he's going, how could a temple that I've built contain God's presence when even all of the heavens that he has stretched out can't contain him? And what we learn from this is it wasn't all of God's presence that was with them. It was a portion of his revealed presence that was with him. But it was a picture of something that would come, right? If you're not a follower of Jesus, hear me on this. See, there would be a day when, when not just the presence of God would be in a temple, but a man named Jesus who was fully God, the Son of God, would come and dwell on earth, God with us, right? And he'd walk the earth. And then he would be put on a cross and crucified and rise back from the dead to purchase you and me. And then he would give us the Holy Spirit. So that means now, like wherever you go, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's presence is with you. So you can have your soul revived on a baseball field. You can have your soul revived as you communicate with God, the Holy Spirit, in the grocery store. Wherever you go, you now have this Savior with you and this Holy Spirit in you who's saying, let me satisfy you. Let me revive you. It goes on, verse 28. It says, yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. I want you to think about that word mercy for a minute, okay? 
If you're reading along in, in your Bible app, highlight the word mercy. Or if you're reading in a physical Bible, just circle the word mercy. Yet give attention to your servant's ear and plead for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. Here's what's happening. This is so powerful and important. Solomon connects. He understands God's presence means I can boldly ask for mercy. If you're here tonight and you need some mercy in your life, you need some like fresh grace in your life, you need God to treat you in a way you don't deserve to be treated based on your, your performance, then because God's presence is in your life, you can boldly ask for that mercy. Do not be afraid to ask for his mercy. Don't be ashamed to ask for the mercy and the help of God. If his presence is with you, then he wants you to access his mercy. I would say our nation needs the mercy of God like never before. I would say our church needs a fresh flow of the mercy of God. I would say you and I need a fresh flow of the mercy of God. It will revive our soul. Then he goes on in verse 29. He says, may your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. What's he saying? He's saying, God, you told my dad David that your name would be here. What does that mean? It means, God, your presence would be here. And so, God, because your presence is here, what does he say? Oh, God, hear my prayer. See, Solomon links God's presence with God hearing our prayer. If you're here tonight and you're like, I'm afraid to approach God. I'm afraid to ask him for something. What if he's angry at me? What if he doesn't want to give it to me? Guys, you and I, because of the presence of God in our life, can go and we can boldly ask God for the things that we need. We do not get what we ask for every time. And as we've talked about a thousand times, that is so often a very good thing. There are times we ask for horrible things and God is merciful to not give us what we ask for. But there are also times we approach God and we say, God, I need you here. Please show up. And he shows up and does something powerful because of his presence. Solomon then talks a little bit more about God hearing our prayers, but then he brings up something important. And, and for some of you who are feeling like your soul is bounced out of rhythm or your soul is maybe next to dead, this next section is going to be really important for you because what he does is he says, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray toward this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you've afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people, Israel. Guys, some of us, the starting point for our soul to be revived is to say, God, I have been doing some really stupid stuff and I need to turn from that, God. I need to repent from that, God. This quarantine messed up my rhythm. I was talking with some people yesterday who were saying they were in this incredible rhythm of exercise and healthy eating. And they, they then looked back at me and said, since the quarantine, I gained like 22 pounds, you know? Like I just got bounced off my rhythm. And some of us got bounced off of our purity rhythm in the last six months. Some of us got off our, our fight against gossip and we kind of just gave in and we were tearing people apart in the last six months. Some of us got off of our trusting God rhythm and we've been so fearful. Some of us, the place to start as we ask God to revive our souls is literally to say, I'm gonna start by asking for forgiveness, God. I'm gonna start by asking you to change me, God. Your presence is here. Your presence is in my life. And so because your presence is here, I can approach you for forgiveness and love and mercy and grace that I do not deserve. And then Solomon prays this, teach them the right way to live. 
He says, teach them the right way to live. Oh God, forgive us, but then teach them the right way to live. And that's exactly what some of us need right now because we're far from God or we're, we're, we're facing some big decisions. You know, what is work like in this next uh, phase of my life? I don't know. Everything got bumped off rhythm. What is going to happen with school? God, I don't know. Teach me the right way to go. Or God, I've been struggling with this sin. Teach me the right way to live. And I want to encourage you guys, don't just try to clean yourself up. Like, don't just try to make it right yourself because you always make a bigger mess. You need God to teach you and I the right way to live. Last summer, I was cleaning out a freezer in my house, which I really wish I was doing right now. I was cleaning out this freezer and I opened up the freezer and I looked on the bottom and there was like this crusty blue stuff stuck to the bottom of the freezer. And I figured it was, must have been one of my kids. They probably had one of those blue ICs and it melted and got all over the bottom. So I got my Windex and I got my favorite towel. I sprayed the Windex in and I'm cleaning it up. And I, I'm, I am scrubbing and I saw the initial stuff come off, but now there's more blue frozen stuff in the fridge. And I'm like, what's going on? And so I scrub a little more and then I spray a little more. I scrub a little more and then I spray a little more. And then I realized that the blue stuff on the bottom of the fridge was me spraying the Windex, which was caking on and freezing as I would spray it. Like I was making the mess I was trying to clean up. And so often that's us in life. We're going, oh God, I'm going to just fix myself this time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally get past this purity thing. I'm going to do it, God. You watch. No, you and I, we need to say, oh God, teach me the right way to live. Your presence is in me, so teach me the right way to live. Now, some of you guys are really kind of like confused right now. You're like, Doug, why would God give me mercy? Why would he hear my prayer? Why would he forgive me? Why would he teach me the right way to live? Solomon says, for they are your people. That's why he would do this for you. Did you know that? Do you know your gods? Do you know you're his child? Do you know that you belong to him? There is not anything I wouldn't do for my kids as long as it was for their good. Like if they came to me and asked me something for, you know, that would be horrible or detrimental to them, I'm going to say no a hundred times. But if they came to me and said, Dad, I need this from you. I need your help. I need your mercy, Dad. Dad, teach me the right way to live. Dad, forgive me. I will never say no to any of those things. Neither will your heavenly Father. You're God's. You are his people. That's why he'll give you mercy in his presence. That's why he'll give you and I forgiveness in his presence and leading in his presence. And then, down in verse 58, Solomon prays a beautiful prayer. Joey Lucci's here tonight. He's heard me talk about this prayer for probably 20 years now. One of my favorite prayers. When he was like a little, you know, 22 or 20, yeah, he was a little 22-year-old kid in seventh grade, right? When I was 22, and he's a little 12-year-old kid in, in youth group, he remembers probably me praying this prayer that Solomon prayed, may he turn our hearts to him. And there's another translation that says it this way, may he bend our hearts to him. Maybe, may he bend our hearts. Have you ever felt like your heart gets bent away from everything God wants and bent toward? Maybe that's been your story in this last season. Maybe that's why you're bounced out of rhythm, so to speak. Because it felt like during the quarantine or during this last weird time, you weren't in church for so long. You weren't around Christians for so long. You didn't see anybody for so long. You faced some deep pain and you were alone in it. And your heart got bent toward other things. And I love this. If this is all you get out of tonight, then please take this. If you could adopt this prayer, then this is the prayer to pray. Oh God, bend my heart towards you. My heart is bent toward other things right now, God. 
It's bent toward an image on a screen. It's bent toward a relationship. It's bent toward him or her. It's bent toward this or that. It's bent toward the dollar sign. Oh God, bend my heart toward you. You fill in the blank. This is the heart of God for you and me. Listen to me. They then celebrate after Solomon's prayer for 14 days. Like, can you imagine if we asked you guys, hey, come on down for 14 days to the church property. Bring some tents. We're going to barbecue. Andrew's going to get up here. We're going to worship every day. We're going to have one of our amazing communicators get up here. We're going to have all these other guys who do such a great job when they preach. Get up on the stage every day. 14 days we're going to go. I actually got a text after this second service today. I was like, I am in for the 14 days. But I'll tell you what. These people had ushered in the presence of God and then they had prayed for mercy, forgiveness, leading, and something incredible happens. I need you to see what it says in verse 66. It says, they blessed the king and then went home. And I need you to focus on these next few words. Joyful and glad in heart. Joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done for his servant David and his people Israel. What just happened? Again, they ushered in the presence of God. They plead for God to hear their prayers, to be merciful, to forgive them, to teach them the right way to live. And then they leave after 14 days, what does it say? Joyful and glad in heart. I could think of one word that could replace the phrase joyful and glad in heart. You know what the word is? Revived. Revived. And I think... If you and I were to usher the presence of God into our lives and say, God, bend our heart towards you. God, I need fresh mercy. God, I need you to hear my prayer. God, I need forgiveness. God, I need you to teach me to live the right way. Oh, God, bend my heart towards you. I think you and I might live life joyful, glad in heart, revived, soul defibrillated. What are we getting at here tonight? The the thing I want you to kind of remember this week is God's presence revives your soul. God's presence revives your soul. Look what it did for Solomon and his people. Some of you guys have been there. You've had the experience. I spoke with somebody today and they said, I had such an amazing experience with God that it changed me forever. Some of us so badly need God's presence to show up and just heal us, give us peace. Give us direction. Give us joy. Wash us over in forgiveness. Watch how that transforms your soul. And so will you, like Solomon, say, oh, God, bend my heart towards you. Oh, Holy Spirit, presence of God, I need you in a fresh way. I need you to come into my life and do something powerful. And I'm thankful, God, that your presence is linked to the mercy of God and God hearing my prayers and the forgiveness of God and the leading of God. Oh, God, bend my heart toward you. God, let your presence revive my soul. Last week, we saw that God's word revives our soul. This week, we saw God's presence revives our soul. And I want to tell you something. You and I need both of those every single day. I've been saying this all day. I feel great right now. I feel great. Why? I'm with the people of God. We're worshiping God. We're on this beautiful property. God is good. I feel so good. But can I tell you something? that in 12 to 13 hours I'm going to wake up because Monday's my day off. I might sleep in a little bit. And I'm going to need my soul revived again. And I'm going to need God's word and God's presence to revive 
my soul. And then guess what? I'm going to wake up Tuesday and I'm going to need it again and Wednesday and I'm going to need it again. You and I need this every day of our lives. And so I want to ask you guys for something big today. I want to ask you to do something that just might be extremely powerful for your soul, our church, and I want to even zoom out and say our nation. I want to ask you to fast and pray this week with me. What does that look like? What does that mean? What's that all about? Well, some of you know, some of you don't. Fasting is when you give something up so that you can seek God all the more. So sometimes in the Bible, we would see people give up different things. Often it was food. So people would not eat for a certain season. They would pray and seek God instead. Or maybe you could give up uh, breakfast. And don't, not a, that doesn't count if you sleep till noon, by the way, okay? But if you get up early and you normally eat breakfast, give up breakfast and say, okay, God, I'm going to seek you tomorrow morning. And the time I would have spent sitting and eating and preparing, I'm going to seek your face instead. Maybe some of us will give up multiple meals a day. And what I want to do is I want to start this tomorrow morning, and I want us to stop at, at midnight Saturday night. So when we come back Sunday, we're, the fast has been broken, right? Some of us, it's going to be something else besides food. It's going to be some form of entertainment, because we sit on the couch like a slob, like three hours a night, just staring at a screen. What if we spent time each night saying, God, bend my heart towards you. I need your presence in a new way. Some of us need to fast video games this week. Social media. Man, I wish we could all just give up social media. I think we'd all be better for it, but whatever. But, oh, God, I'm going to fast that this week. I'm going to seek your face and said, what is that for you? And this is not about me twisting your arm. I only want you to do this if God's leading you to do this. And this isn't like sign up on the app and let us know you're fasting. Oh, wow, cool, we got 500 people fasting this week. No, that's not what this is about. It's between you and God. But I will say this, the more of us that do it, the more powerful it will be. And here's three things I want you to pray for this week if you choose and feel led to join us. The first one is that God would do amazing things in our nation. We got to be praying for our nation. I want us to be praying, secondly, for our church, for protection and unity. And lastly, I want you to pray for your soul. I want you to say, God, revive my soul. If you're already feeling close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then I want, I want you to say, God, keep reviving my soul. But if you feel far, if you feel bumped out of rhythm, if you feel next to dead, then I want you to say, God, revive my soul this week, and I'm going to bring you my nation, my church, and my soul, and I'm going to ask you to do something powerful in all three. And so I want you to pray about that, even as we close in prayer in just a minute. I want you to say, God, are you leading me to something this week? Again, there's no shame in not doing it, but how cool would it be if a bunch of us did do this together this week? We're going to be posting little encouragements on social media, unless you fast that, to encourage you this week to remind you, hey, let's keep going. It's all right. We're in this together. God's good. We're going for it, right? But this week, remember, God's presence revives your soul. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to leave here today a follower of Jesus with God's presence in your life, then I want you to pray with me in just a minute. But church, I believe this is an important hour for us, and I believe God wants to do a lot through us and in us, our nation, our church, our soul. God's presence revives your soul. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the example of Solomon coming to you, God, and, and asking you for big things, not little things, big things, mercy, that you'd hear our prayers, forgiveness, that you'd teach us to walk the right way, that you'd bend these hearts that are so easily bent away from you towards you. And God, I thank you for the people leaving there with joyful and glad hearts because they had ushered your presence in and they had spent time with the people of God and everything had changed. 
God, I just want to pray over every car right now, every person, even out into Hot Pocket. I know lots of people hearing my voice right now, whether they want to or not. But I just pray, Holy Spirit, your presence over this property, over every life, over every family that belongs to Living Word, over every visitor and guest, over every neighbor, all throughout this town, God. We pray your Holy Spirit would do something mind-blowing, world-shattering, completely drastic for your good for your glory for this time for this hour and God I pray this week we will be serious about seeking you that the presence of God will fall on us like never before as a church as a as a as a nation and as individuals we need you God your father of Jesus will you pray now God bend my heart towards you and then will you pray God what am I supposed to do this week? Can I give something up so I can get closer to you? Can I give something up so our nation and our church can be more full of your presence? Can I do something so that my soul can be more full of the presence of God? If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you want to pray with me now, I encourage you to, to say something like this, Jesus, I am asking you right here, right now, to be my Savior and my God. I need you to rescue me from my sin. I need you to forgive me and give me your mercy and hear my prayer and teach me to walk the right way. And God, bend this heart towards you. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And now put your Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you. Amen. Guys, I know this is like a little bit different than what we're used to. We're used to being down the street in the school in a nice dark room and nobody can see us. But what I want to encourage you to do today as we close in this song is I want to encourage you, no matter where you are in your car, out your car, if there's somebody next to you, you feel a little awkward, it's a little weird, everybody can see you, push past it. And I want to encourage you in this last song just to lift your arms like this and say, Holy Spirit, just in a new way, let your presence fall in my life. God, revive my soul here and now. Don't let everybody around you don't let them keep you from doing it. Don't let anybody make you feel weird. And if you're not ready to do that, don't do it. It's okay. But here tonight, it would be awesome if, if God would see a bunch of people here at 328 Hoffman Lane saying, more, God, more. Just pour out your spirit. We want you. Our nation needs you. Our church needs you. My soul needs you.